Hi, this is Stacy Eldridge, and it's my pleasure to be in the studio today with Stacy Burton. Stacy Burton works at Ransom Heart. She's been with us for seven years. She's the manager of resources and involved in content, and will probably be involved in editing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy has an incredible story to tell, and so. What better way to spend this time? So welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast, Stacy. It has been an intense year of an intentional fight for your healing in every way. And I just wanted the opportunity to ask you some questions and for you to tell your story. We learn so much from one another's lives, and you have been on such a purposeful pursuit of life that I'd love people to hear from you. So by way of introduction— Seven years ago, you battled breast cancer. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? So in 2010, I found a lump. I was 35 years old. Mm -hmm. Two young young kids, yeah, five and a six-year-old, and didn't think much of it when I found my lump just Uh because there was no family history, and um, it just felt like a really fluke find. But I did go to the doctor and pursued everything that led to the diagnosis. Okay. And then a battle. How long of your fight for healing? Yeah. So I was very fortunate that it was found very early, stage one. Um, But being so young, I decided to have a bilateral mastectomy. It was actually an extremely quick season. I found my lump in April Uh and had my final reconstruction implants in November. Wow, that is fast, isn't it? It was a whirlwind. And the harder part was actually the following two years of just kind of like, what happened to me? I got rid of every t-shirt I owned until someone kind of acknowledged, you know, it's not about the shirt. It's just about your healing. Wow. It's like, that could have saved a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, I want to pursue that. But here's the thing. Less than a year ago, you got a life-changing phone call. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was a really cruel day. Yes. Um, It was three hours after I heard the news about Craig passing away. And I got a phone call from my doctor saying, yes, your breast cancer has, in fact, reoccurred. Can can we just pause there? Yeah. Stacey, I thought this kind of news they brought you in and (laughs) held your hand and had you there with your support. Like, this is over the phone? Yeah. Unfortunately, I did have a friend in the car sitting next to me. You're in the car? I'm in the car driving back from Craig's house. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I don't thank you for that because it's really easy to— to think I've been through it before, so so yeah, yada yada. Give me the phone call. I wasn't upset that it was over the phone. Uh-huh. I think that almost actually did feel kinder than come in and. Well, you would have known immediately, right? If they I said would have come known in. immediately. Yeah, yeah. So you just drove home. I did drive home in complete shock. The kids were home. It was still summer, so. My husband, Eric, had shared with them about Craig. Yes. And I get out of the car and look Eric in the eye and say, I got a call from the doctor and my breast cancer's back. He's got this stunned look on his face. Oh, my goodness. He obviously 
just told the kids a About friend Craig. A Craig. just died of cancer. Oh my goodness. So we're kind of in a, uh, what do we do? All that to say, when they first call and tell you it's back or you are diagnosed, there's so much you don't know. What right. stage is it? What's the treatment oh, right. that's going to happen? So you don't know any of that. You could just got this news that's either your stage one or your stage four, and you have to sit with that until you can go in and meet with the doctor. My goodness. It's a time to get on your knees. Yes. And I did. I went for a run that afternoon and ended up sitting by a river in deep tears. Yeah. Yeah, just sitting with God of, I mean, you you can't make this up. You lose no. a friend and you're diagnosed within a matter of hours. And how do you hold that? What do you do with that? You went for a run. I went for a run. You sat by the river and, and you I wept. Sat by the, yeah. And it was good. That seems like the thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Bless you, Stacey. It yeah. was the worst possible day. It was. Yeah. It was mean. Because we're grieving and you're just entering the stage of grief. And then to tell your children eventually. Right. When I talked with your son and just asked him how he's doing. And, and he was really quick to say, it's okay. It's the good kind of cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved that. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you just some questions about your last year. Because for you, the treatment has been pretty intense. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah. They went really aggressively after. They did, because I have no breasts, uh -huh. actually. And so that it came back as a lump on my reconstructed chest uh -huh. wasn't great. Yeah. That is not what they want. And it's so rare. Not you, the way you want to be special. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My, I think my doctor told me to go buy a lottery ticket. Oh, gosh. Because <laughs> it is just, yeah. Um. It's incredible, the new treatments that they're always coming up with. So I didn't have to do chemotherapy my first round because I'm estrogen positive and that six years ago they found doesn't really respond to chemo. Oh, okay. Six years later, they're like, there actually is some benefit to it. Oh, which, okay. So because this is a second grow round, they highly recommended chemotherapy. They highly recommended radiation. I'm on a endocrine therapy now that is just a daily pill for the next five to 10 years. But yeah, really intense treatment. And I'm still a mom to young kids who yes. I want to watch grow up. Yes. And um, I know there's lots of alternative treatments, but I did certainly think that I wanted to pursue this after much prayer and talking with doctors for second opinions and Eric and I decided that, yeah, this is the route we are going to go. Yes, yes. And it was intense. Early on, before you started the treatments, when you're still reeling, mm -hmm. a friend told you that this wasn't necessarily a battle for your health. She felt like it was an attack. Oh, yeah. What did she tell you? Yeah, a couple of girlfriends were praying with me, and she sensed strongly that this is an attack on my femininity. And this was a pivotal moment in the months to come. Really? Yeah. So true, because it's an attack on my breasts. Yes. Yes, yes. 
which is very feminine. Like when I had my mastectomy, I was like, oh, let's just be rid of them. Who needs bras? But just seeing images of women who had. And for me, I was like, no, I there's something about the breasts that do in fact matter to me, which yes. I didn't realize otherwise. Yes. So physically, attack on my femininity. It was a projection of many things that God put in front of me to process and walk through about who I am as a woman of God. That's just yeah. so um, intriguing. Yeah. You get cancer diagnosed again, second round. You're young. It's terrifying. And you are going to be in the fight for your life. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, it's about something actually deeper. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I heard that by the river. That really? first day. Yeah. Like, I honestly don't remember his exact words, but the bigger story was who I am in him. Oh, yes. So I'm guessing he's been pursuing you pretty hard. He has been pursuing me so hard, so incredibly. Yeah. Before the diagnosis, I had applied to the Allender Center's lay counseling certificate, mm -hmm. which is four separate weekends uh -huh. throughout a number of months. And one of those, I was going through chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. So, but just the timing, it felt so ordained. Like it's a really intense process of going into your story. It's like an excavation almost, yeah. isn't it? And I had some people ask me like, is it worth going through it when you're going to be fighting so hard in your body? And it just felt like, yeah, God knew both things were coming. And so I trusted that. I needed it, and I needed it. What I had to pay attention to in my story was so parallel with what I was fighting for in my wow. life. So it was really, really incredible. You know, that's where I want to go, and I really want to hear about that. But I'm just aware, I'm aware of the people that are listening that are either going through this battle themselves mm -hmm. or who have loved ones that are yeah, or who don't. And have no idea. And Stacey, honestly, I've been one step removed. My father had cancer. He died of colon cancer when I was really pretty young. Mm -hmm. And then my mom had multiple myeloma, so I was intimate with that. But those that don't know, we all have people either really close to us or a couple tears out who have gone through or are going through chemotherapy. Yeah. And I think we have no idea what it's like or the effects emotionally, right. physically. Can you just inform us a little bit about your experience? How did it affect your day-to-day -day living? Oh, it threw everything out of whack. Yeah. I am one who likes lists and is organized. And it was a time when God showed me how little control I actually had over life and oh. those around me. Yes. My husband is a very capable man. Uh -huh. And I had to allow him to take charge of the family. Uh-huh. And we're all still alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm hearing like uh, your identity having to oh wrestle with that. It's been so hard. And I'm still dealing with it. I feel like my body has aged mm. a decade mm. in the past few months. And I'm 42. I feel like I'm 52, mm. which I'm sure is a great age. But not like but when it happens overnight. Great when you're 52, <laughs> yeah. not so great when you're 42. Yeah. I get tired so easily and I, I have to ask for help. Ah. And I think that 
actually thrills my husband because he wants me to let him help. Mm. So it's still hard for me to ask for help, but I think that was a really good thing to have to step into. Really disruptive. Yeah. For a capable woman used to being strong, going for your runs every day. Yeah. Running and managing your house. And here's the thing. You're finished with your treatments. Not that long ago. Right. But those of us in your life can think, oh, you're done. Ba-doom. You're all back. It's not like that, is it? It is so not like that. And I am so grateful to God um, for the awareness that, no, it is not over. Because the doctors and nurses even, like, they're rejoicing for you when you get your last treatment. And and they're like, yay. And the afterwards is actually the toughest. Really? Yeah. It, it, emotionally. Okay. Like, um, I think I ended treatment in December. And you have an incredible support group who's so willing. And they make you feel so special. And then, understandably... Um, it stops. Right. Fortunately for me, I don't feel like the emotional support has stopped. I still have that. And I think part of it is because I voice like it's not over for me. Even though my treatment was over about three weeks after my final chemotherapy infusion, I just fell into a really dark place, a really deep depression. And also grateful for encouragement. I knew it wasn't necessarily chemical. Antidepressants could have been an option, but I'm really grateful for some, I guess, self-awareness, if you will, Uh that I really needed to go to counseling to help me walk through the hard after fact of what just happened with my life, my body. Uh, It's trauma, isn't it? It is so traumatic. And so asking someone to help me through this person being an incredible counselor to help me walk through the confusion and the despair that can set in. Because when you go through it, nurses are telling you to go to this appointment and that appointment, and you really don't have time to stop and think. Right. So once that's all gone, it's really quiet. You have to start paying attention to a lot of hard things. Mm. So... You're in crisis mode, right? Yeah, you're in crisis mode, and then it stops. You're so brilliant to have pursued counseling. Oh, like, that saved my life. That saved my life. How has God used your journey, the diagnosis, the treatment? Because then you went through radiation. I had no idea yeah. how painful that is. Oh, me either. I thought they zapped you in the one place that it just kind of stayed in that one place. Yeah. Like that one place got a blister or something. Yeah. Well, and it was a significant part of the left side of my chest. And they do zap particular places, but it was a really big area. <sighs> so just so sore and what it does to your muscles. And it's a really intense therapy. Yes. Oh, goodness. Meant to kill anything so I don't have to go through this again. So counseling, where Jesus took you, what are some of the places where he pursued you through this, where he used this actually to uncover some places that otherwise may not have been addressed or seen right. like with the attack against your femininity, the uncovering yeah. of some core beliefs maybe that mm-hmm. were just functioning at a deeper level. Our God is so beautiful and yeah, so is. patient. 
there is so much that God did. Mm. And what I love most is that he was not invasive. How, how do you mean he wasn't invasive? Meaning he was not in front of my face like, hey, Stace, hey, Stace, ah. I need you to love me. I need you to mm. love me. I need you to be worshiping right now. Instead, it really felt he had never, ever left me. But I don't know that I was really eager to take his hand. Mm. There was a lot of, I've got this. Ah, it's really hard going through this and trying to do it on your own strength. Yes. And I fell often and I fell hard and he was always there to catch me. Mm. And it's almost like a hill. Like there's the valleys where you don't see much. And then I let him catch me and I can see the good that is coming. How he wants me to look at who I am as a woman mm. of God. And I am still actually quite resistant to knowing that. I'm confused about what that even looks like. So he, we're still working on that. But there's been many things he's been pursuing. I struggle with shame. And I think with social media, you hear so often about people who have been through times like cancer and end up completely changing their lives. They start these nonprofits mm -hmm. and they're not eating sugar anymore. <laughs> and right. it's been such a year of tired and angry and sad. And I'm like, I've got nothing except for some self-pity. Mm. And I, I've been struggling with a lot of shame of why am I not doing more in my life? Why am I not running a marathon amidst all this? Or even after, why am I not training for one because I love to run. Because that's what it looks like if you're... That's what it looks like from me looking at other success stories. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been dealing with the shame of that. And it's been so hard. And just a few days ago, I was sitting with God in that and just heard some clarity of, I'm not asking you to change your lifestyle, Stacy. This has not been about you not eating cupcakes for breakfast because <laughs> my daughter is an incredible baker oh, and she is. I love eating her desserts. Yes. Um, it's not about giving up sugar. It's not about marathon training because for me, rigidity quickly spirals me into shame. Mm -hmm. I did eat a cupcake. Mm -hmm. Well, there goes my no sugar. I failed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't run my six miles today. Now I'm behind in my marathon training. Like, it so Goodness. quickly leads to shame. So yes. I just felt God saying, this is not about changing your lifestyle. This has been about pursuing your heart. Yes. And healing and change there. And that's what this has been about. So that is how God has really pursued me throughout this. Many little things leading up to, I just want more wholeness for you, Stacy. Mm. Yay him. I want more wholeness. Yay him. It's true. The whole social media want to be the poster child. I of, do. And I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but what you are is so deep. Pursuing yeah. Him. Having Him pursue whole healing in you. Yeah. And it's just what matters more. Like, my body can be anything. Yes. But my heart and my mind and my soul, if that's not centered in who I am in Him, like, what is there? To stand on. 
there's the gold. Yeah. You knew that kind of coming in because you are a woman of God yeah. pursuing him for many, many years. But it feels like, Stacy, like you know that to such a deeper level now. Yeah. It's not always easy to believe mm. who I am in God, but I am filled, I believe, every cell with the Holy Spirit. The truth is I am His. Yes. Well, it's not easy to stand every day because of that truth. I can eventually stand up in who I am in Him. Can I read something Please. on this line? So yes. I was looking through the captivating book the other day, and mm. and this was just a beautiful excerpt. God really does want you to know who you are. He wants you to be able to understand the story of your life, to know where you have come from, and to know where you are going. There is freedom there, freedom to be and to offer and to love. So may we take a moment and remind you of who you really are. You are a woman, an image bearer of God, the crown of creation, you were chosen before time and space, and you are holy and dearly loved. You are sought after, pursued, romanced, and passionate desire of your fiancé, Jesus. You are dangerous in your beauty and your life-giving power, and you are needed. You are inviting. You can risk being vulnerable, offering the weight of your life as well as your need for more because you are safe in God's love. You labor with God to bring forth life and creativity and work in others. Your aching, awakened heart leads you to the feet of Jesus, where you wait on Him and wait for Him. The eyes of His heart are ever upon you, and the King is captivated by your beauty. And I just—it speaks so much to His love. Yes. You know, I have to sit here, but I would be dancing around the table now. <laughs> What you're saying, and everyone can relate to this, is we are not defined by the battles we're going through or how well we may be doing in any given moment. We're not Amen. defined by our struggles. Right. We're defined by the love of God, that we belong to Jesus. All those things are true that you so just read. True. And it reminds me of what you just said. Like Throughout this, so many women, people— I'll talk to them, and they start entering into hardships they're going through and heartaches, mm -hmm. and immediately followed with, but nothing like you're going through. Wow. And I can see on the outside why they say that, but no, my story is a hardship personal to me, and it's just one story. Everybody is dealing with something really hard, and if anything is feeling weighty, like, that is not meant to be. And it matters. Like, whatever everyone is going through, it matters. And it certainly matters to their God. It does. Oh, to have our eyes open to the way He is pursuing us mm -hmm. and the way He values our lives. Yeah. I get it, the comparison thing. You've had this incredible, painful, exhausting, hard struggle, and I'm just struggling with this, the whole just thing. Right. It's invalidating. Right. We all have a story. We're all living in a fallen world. We all struggle with things. And Elroy, the God who sees, he sees us in it. He mm -hmm. pursues us in it. I love your words. Yeah. Stacey, how are you doing now? That's 
such a hard question. <laughs> I want to say it changes day by day. Right. Maybe minute by minute. I'm still in counseling. Good. And it's still really important that I'm in counseling. Mm-hmm. It's just so confusing. And I'm still very sad. And I hate that I'm still sad, but I also know that I need to show myself mercy and yes. grace there. Sad for? I sad for so much has been lost through this, mm-hmm. including feeling a decade older. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite in the place of seeing the goodness of walking through such a difficult time. Because mm-hmm. you're in the thick of it. Because I am in the thick of it. I don't even know that I need to make sense of it. Yeah. But I physically feel what it has done to me. Yeah. And I am grateful that spring is literally happening because there's something about the brightness of a day that can help you take another step forward. Yes. Beauty helps. Beauty really helps. I know our desire and our temptation is to feel like we need to tie it up in a neat bow. Yes. Yours would be bright yellow because that's such a joyful color. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to do that. No. You're in the midst. Yeah. And the mercy is so essential. And I want to speak that to the people that are listening. Yeah. There's mercy. Right. We can put ourselves on a timeline. Certainly there's things I want to be done with. Yeah. And yet there's things for all of us that we wouldn't choose and we certainly wouldn't wish them on another right. person, but they drive us to our God yeah. in ways we wouldn't or not that they're from him to make that happen, but in it, we get to learn, like, as you said, he's always there. He's always there. Yeah. Even when you're like, I don't want you here, but he's always there. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. I just have a little P.S., Sometimes people are really quick with words that actually aren't helpful. They want to be helpful, but sometimes it's harmful. I remember when Craig was going through leukemia, like he would just get an onslaught of advice or this or that and stuff about what he was doing wrong, basically. I actually want to protect you from that because that happens, doesn't it? It does happen people's good hearts can run away (laughs) with them and lose sight of being helpful into an intention or an agenda. So if we are walking alongside somebody, Mm -hmm. how do we do it better? Right. And I'm certainly one who's like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I think just reflecting back to what was most helpful for me. Yeah. What was most helpful? um, Words are not always helpful. Ah. I think hugs are helpful. Mm. And the words of, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Not real helpful is that. Right. And I do it. I'm guilty of it too. But what's helpful is to put a meal on the doorstep or send a card with a food gift card Mm. or send a card that says, I'm thinking of you. That is what is helpful. Because there's a lot of information out there in this day and age. And chances are, the patient has heard it. Yes. And especially for breast cancer, the biggest thing I've learned is, and it, I think it goes for any diagnosis, it's so individualized. Mm. So what worked for you, we bless. Yes. This is what I need and what works for me. Yeah. So. That is so good. It's, it's the tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And the willingness to not apply a spiritual Band-Aid or any other Band-Aid. Right. Yeah. 
the temptation is there. Just, just, I just need you to be better so that I can be better. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Right, <laughs> right, it is. We want to love and we want to grow in love. So thanks for that. Just yeah. um, the tangible things, really good. Stacy. you live so authentically. And I love your pursuit of Jesus in what has been and is so hard. You're choosing to not run from it. You're choosing to face it and to go with God in gentleness, inviting him into areas that is new terrain, wilderness. And yet with grace, with mercy, you're not the go to counseling poster child either. You are the poster child for being the most beautiful you that exists and you are loved. Thank you for joining us for this. So this has been the Ransom Heart Podcast in just a little window into the glorious life of Stacey Burton. (laughs) We are going to come back next week and talk some more specifically about women and our bodies. Thanks for joining us.